This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 243 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Show me the money. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, welcome back, Helena. Thank you very much. Last week, did you notice what I did last week as a filler? Huh? Yes, uh-huh. thank you very much. Yes, I know. It's you know you always seem to like what? Wh- wh- why? Why me? I punish why? you for not being here. I, I know said, you. Do. How can I punish you Helena this week for not being here? And it was like I can replay the bloopers episode. We haven't heard that one in two years. We need a new bloopers episode, and trust me, we've got plenty <laughs> to create a new bloopers episode. And you know what? This time around, it's all you. I mean, I, I don't I, save those. No, you See, don't. That's the I'm, advantage of being the editor. I'm good for like three or four bloopers per episode. I granted, you know, fine. But you have, you're good for like the big ones. <laughs> you're good for the money shots. <laughs> yeah, I don't keep my bloopers, and there's a reason for that. You know, Why? Of, because Why? because then I don't have to hear them again. <laughs> so, oh, right. I don't yeah. have anybody blackmailing me like I can blackmail you. See, there's a difference there. Just wait. Someday I'm going to have a little extra time on my hands, and it will be the end of you. <laughs> well, we have a big show planned for today. We have a lot of guests coming up. We have Jody Werner uh, with uh, Dear Murray of Dear Murray fame. Uh, she comes on once a month, and we talk a little bit about what Murray's been up to. And then uh, you scheduled a guest of something that we have never talked about here on the Horse Radio Network, and, and I'm surprised that we haven't gotten to it sooner. Yes, um, we have with us today, I'm very excited about this because, you know, it's all geeky financial stuff, Um, Buck Harris. He is the Vice President of Business Counseling at the Community Investment Corporation, which is, um, it's a nonprofit economic development lender. And uh, he's going to talk to us about how small businesses, horse businesses, can get some money either to start up or to grow their business. So he's got a lot of really, really good information He's going to be on the show with us today. And that's something we all certainly fight with if we're in business at all, you know, especially in the horse world. Almost everybody, all, almost all of our listeners are in business in some way or another. So Yes, yes. Um, and then coming up later, we have our Tack and Habit segment. We're going to be joined by Coach Jen over at the Horse Tip Daily Show, who's reviewing a saddle that she has had now for a couple of weeks and going to let us know how she likes that. So that's all coming up on today's show. But has the weather warmed up enough for you to get out and ride your horsey? Uh, Yes, it did. In fact, yesterday was the first time I sat on the Big B, the Brody, the Brody Meister, um, in, geez, like six months. Wow. (laughs) And how was it? Oh, my gosh. He is an angel. This horse is an angel. And, you know, I was a little concerned about what 
what I would experience. We just rode in my field, which is dry enough and, um, uh, but we're just, we're legging up for hunting. Hopefully I can get him hunting in June. So I'm taking my time legging him up and all we did was walk and, uh, you know, some change of rain and a little halt and stuff like that. And the interesting thing is after six months off, he's way more responsive to my leg aids laterally than he'd ever been before. That was something I, I noticed. It was very, very easy for me to get to move him uh, left or right with a leg aid. I just, it was nice. I could stay off his face, which was a big problem when I first got him home. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully that will stick around. But he, and in terms of like attitude and demeanor, he's just the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. It's nice to have a horse that you can get on even after six months of not riding and know they're going to be there for you. Oh, that, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, a good match. And not off in left field someplace, you know? No, you know? no. I mean, he's, you know, he's Brody. He's got his issues, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I want to go out on the road. Yeah, but all of us guys have issues. I know. So, he's like, know. I want to go on this big white gate over here. That's that's the entrance to Adventureland. I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's terrific. I'm glad you finally got to ride, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are getting on for the first time over the last week or two. Yeah. Uh, after a long break, and uh, we hope that you have, uh, you at least have six to eight good months of riding in before the next snow comes. Indeed. Oh, don't even say the word. <laughs> talk, know, we were talking about, word. we talk about four letter words in the, uh, with, with Jody Murray today. But snow. I'm going to add snow <laughs> to the list of four letter words. They're not well, allowed. Well, let's, uh, I, I do have an update on one of our previous guests we just had on here recently, Liz Halliday. Remember, she is the eventer out of Europe and is also the race car driver. Yeah. Well, I just got a, uh, uh, a notice that she was out doing her, for, remember she said she was going to start her, her racing campaign, it was the week after we talked to her. Uh, which was like last week. And uh, she said, and we have to congratulate her because she won her first victory ah, uh, in the Lotus Cup UK campaign last weekend. She, uh, she, she ended up in the pole position and uh, for the whole campaign, she ended up second overall, but she won her individual heat. I don't understand much about that, to be honest with you. <laughs> All I know is it said she, she raced for an hour and a half around the 300 layout. I have no idea what all that means, and, but I did see a picture, and she drives a cute little car. Did you see the picture? I did. You call that cute? That's a cute little car. That's a that cute thing, little race car. That, yeah, mm-hmm. that, you'll, that'll you'll, take you around the track. I was going to say, yeah, you'd be peeing in your pants in that cute little car. <laughs> but uh, what? how cool is it to be not only a, a good eventer, you know, and, and good at what you do there, professional at that, and, and then she bought that beautiful farm and everything over in England, and, oh, and but then to do so well as one of the very few female successful female race drivers in the world. Well, you know, she's driven, pardon the pun, but she is. She's motivated, motivated young woman who likes what she does. And fun. A lot of fun. We, we always enjoy talking to her, and we'll catch up with her in the fall and find out how it all went Yeah, this yeah. season. So congratulations on her uh, first win of the racing season. Nice work, Liz. Let's get to Jody Werner of, of Dear Murray fame. And, of course, that is her horse who answers questions on Facebook. You can write in, and, and Murray will answer questions for you. 
and it's very entertaining and a little light, and we like having her on because we get her up at 6 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to do this, and she barely has had time for her coffee, and she's funniest then, and she admits she, that, that she's funnier she's in the morning. So. You definitely have an evil streak, getting women up well, at 6 o'clock. All of us are really funnier, I think, in the morning than we are when we're dead tired at 9 o'clock at night, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, but yet, when you go to comedy clubs and shows like that, it's always at 9 o'clock at night. It's like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to be funny anymore. I just want to, you know, go to bed. Well, so, that's because alcohol's involved. That's why I do a morning show. It's because <laughs> it's, yeah, an right. evening show would not be good for me. So let's get uh, Jody Werner on. Well, as I said, we have Jody back with us who helps uh, Murray answer some questions with Dear Murray. And uh, there is one that caught my attention. I'm going to read it. That we, we have her on every month, and I, I'm going to read the one that caught my attention. Or do you want to read it? Are you awake enough to read it yet, Jody, or do you want me to? Well, we've established I'm funnier when I'm sleep-deprived, so perhaps that would be good. All right, you read it then. <laughs> we've established, we've established that. We're a but now we expect funny, all right? No pressure well, or anything. <laughs> it's, it's one of Murray's unsolicited advice columns because, as he puts it, there's stuff you need to know whether you ask about it or not. And the title of it is, I got rhythm, but you don't. Humans, you have simply got to learn to keep a rhythm while you ride. Horses have a natural cadence, but all of your speed up, slow down, speed up and then slow down, whoops, was I supposed to turn here and move up? No, wait, at a stride stuff makes us crazy. We can't do our jobs with you people changing tempo every other stride. Go watch Dancing with the Stars or take some music lessons and come back when you can re- reliably count to four without getting lost. <laughs> you might also put a sound system in the arena. If you can't keep a rhythm by yourself, maybe some Adele or Hootie and the Blowfish can help you find a distance once in a while. It's some strange eclectic taste in music, but I got to... No, know. no, you have no taste in music. <laughs> Booty's great. I have no Adele. rhythm either, so I can relate That's to true. this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so now, Helena, you do have rhythm. You were in band, right? What'd you play again? I do everything. I I was a gymnast. I was a cheerleader. I was in marching band. I'm Italian. <laughs> does it, being I, Italian naturally give you rhythm, Helena? Yes, it does. It's in our Mediterranean blood. Totally I give was I was in the band as well, Helena, so I'm with you there. Okay. So you're, you're sort of like, you know, rhythm is pounded into you genetically and and culturally. It is. it is. And, you know, Murray's nickname that he was given by other people was the metronome because he just had this incredible natural rhythm. And even when he was completely green and had no idea what he was doing, he did it in the same rhythm. It's like the old saying, if you don't know what you're doing, do it neatly. He figured if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> just do it at the same temple and maybe you won't get in trouble. Now, <laughs> remind, remind our listeners what kind of horse Murray is or was. Murray was, an, oddly enough, an off-the-track thoroughbred, but he was the laziest thoroughbred on the planet. And I rode him in mainly in the hunters and equitation. And he had just such a nice, sweeping, natural rhythm and cadence that it was just incredible. It was almost impossible to miss a distance on him because no matter what I was doing on his back, the poor, poor guy just kept the same rhythm all the time. It's like he was just trying to tune me out and go, okay, one, two, three, one, two, three, dance with me, dance with oh, me. Oh, Murray, we love you. <laughs> so it just came naturally to him. And, and now, did he teach you rhythm or did you have it as well? Well, I, we kind of both had it because, as I mentioned, I was in the band and I knew tempo and cadence and all of those 
concepts that they teach you when you play a musical instrument and you're trying to play in the same tempo with other people. So we kind of just worked well together that way, but we had such incredible rhythm that it really made people or horses that didn't have it stand out. And you could really tell the difference between a rider that had tempo and a rider that did not have tempo. So what do we do with someone like Glenn, who's pretty much hopeless? <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> Put him in a car. You Put know what I did to solve that? <laughs> I solved that problem, and we've all seen those riders that are just bouncing all over the place. But I solved that problem because I took up driving. And see there, the rhythm is, is not as important. Driving cars or driving horses? Dri- well, driving horses. I took up dri- you know, carriage driving. Uh, so that solved that problem for me. I didn't have to have so much rhythm. I got suspension. Horses are so sensitive that I can only imagine what we must feel like when we're having a bad day and we're up there flopping around like a spastic bag of rocks on their back or something. (laughs) You just described my entire riding career. (laughs) Spastic bag of rocks. (laughs) And I can just picture them going, okay, what do they want me to do? What do they want me to do? I'll just change lanes. There, how's that? (laughs) Spastic bag of rocks. Oh, <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Now let's get back to the taste in music. Adele and Hootie and the Blowfish. Those were the two you that Murray came up with. I swear that they used to play Hootie and the Blowfish in this one indoor ring at a horse show I went to every year. I don't know why they picked that, but and I honestly I could never find a distance to Hootie and the Blowfish, so it was beyond me why they put that on the amateurs win the ring no less. <laughs> I mean, we need all the help we can get. Hootie and the Blowfish will make you bounce around like a spastic it, it bag of rocks. Will. It kind yeah, of exactly. Want to bebop around Adele? I can see Adele. I can I can see that. I'm, Adele's I'm with got a that. good sort of almost military rhythm to her. I, w- I would suggest playing some Adele if you're having trouble keeping rhythm. She <laughs> does have a good military rhythm. You know, when I was in a cheerleader in high school, we learned about different styles of cheerleading and. Um, we had a very military style, which was really different than a lot of the other high schools in the region. But <clears throat> there's no way you could not learn rhythm from any kind of military exercise. Yeah, my trainer always taught us to hum or sing a little tune to ourselves while we were riding, too, to try to keep the rhythm. Yeah. And, of course, the kids that were into, like, freeform jazz, just that didn't work for them at all. <laughs> but if you, I found out if you sang the ants go marching, that worked really well at the canter. Yeah, probably Lady Gaga is not so good either. Yeah, uh, teach Glenn the ants go marching. I think that will improve its writing a lot. <laughs> you know that one, don't you, Glenn? No. Oh, no. I don't. The ants go marching one by one. Oh, hurrah, yeah, 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 hurrah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a really good I never heard it. ants. There, there's other versions of that one. Oh. You never heard the ants one? No, but there's, uh, there's the mili- one of the military's versions is the troops go marching. That was probably the original. I think the it was... Original. Um, modified for children's use. Yeah, yeah. See, we never had kids, so I never got to that one. Well, this is interesting that Murray's always got something good to offer. Where can you fu- where can people find his advice columns? People can find Murray on Facebook. If you just search for Dear Murray, you will find his page. Murray's and I don't, know if, I don't know if I've spoken to you since he won the ESMA Award. Oh, for no, congratulations on that. Yes. Best Thank talking you. animal. Nice That's work. Right. He was voted Best Talking Animal uh, by the Equestrian Social Media Awards. Congratulations. I voted for him. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I did vote. Oh, Mary. The last, the last time we were on, I know I got a lot of comments saying, 
we can't believe they met you, let you mention beer on a morning radio show. And uh, uh, because, of course, you know, Murray likes beer. And apparently it was okay that we actually spent 90% of the time talking about poop. But the fact <laughs> that we mentioned beer raised a few eyebrows. So Is there a morning radio show that doesn't mention beer? I thought that was a staple on morning radio. <laughs> Wait a minute. What, well, I... I'm a little, sh- I'm a little stunned. <laughs> most of them are, most of them are too hung, are hung over from beer when doing morning radio. Uh, Helene and I are probably the the only ones sober uh, when we talk in the morning. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I get a little extra something in my coffee in the winter months, you know. <laughs> it's that fox hunter thing. Thank, you. thank you so much, Jody. You're welcome. Hi all, Glenn the Geek here, and we're excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash hrn. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14-day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. Our next guest, Buck Harris, actually knows what he's doing. He's the Vice President of Business Counseling at the Community Investment Corporation, which is a nonprofit economic development lender based in Hamden, Connecticut. He's also an adjunct professor at the Quinnipiac School of Business, where he teaches undergraduate business communications. With more than 25 years of entrepreneurial and corporate management experience, Buck provides advice and assistance to small businesses so they can take advantage of special lending programs, whether it's for starting up, growing your business, or just to ensure long-term success. So um, I think Buck's going to bring a lot to uh, small equine business owners on this episode of Stable Scoop. So we're going to welcome Buck. Well, hi, Buck, and welcome to the Stable Scoop show. Thanks. It's good to be here. Now tell us, you know, we read your title, and it's a big, long thing, but what actually do you do? Um, I actually help small businesses get the money they need to either get started up or to grow. And um, in connection with that, I help them develop a business model that uh, will help them be profitable. Wow, i got to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, horse, you think? We've been doing this for four years, and I need a business plan. I uh, <laughs> had one four years. Wait, you, we don't have a business plan? No, nah, we just do this. We just show that up and record. That answers a lot. lot of quest- See? See, I told you. So, Buck, tell us, tell us now, you know, the horse world is a little bit different. Um, and anybody that says it isn't hasn't been in it. And, uh, you know, I understand you're also a horse person and in the horse world, so you understand that. Yes. Do, you know, 
it is in in the my past experience it has been difficult to get banks and institutions even to look at a horse business one they didn't understand it unless it was breeding and racing they just didn't get it has that improved at all or is it still a tough thing um i think it's still a really tough thing i mean um you know banks generally want to take no risk something that people don't really think about in terms of banks. They loan money, yeah, they're taking risk. No, banks don't want to take any risk. They want collateral, they want great credit scores, they want a solid business plan, they want five years in business. You know, there's a lot of requirements that they need in order to go forward without taking any risk because they want to be able to recover their money. Well, that eliminates 90% of the horse pop people I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> risk. We get on untrained thoroughbreds on a regular basis. Yes. We're all about That's right. risk. That's right. Well, the, you know, the, the, the thing that you want to be able to do as a small business owner is to have a model that you know works and have the support of some kind of financial institution so that you can go out and ride and have a great time without your head spinning around about how you're going to put feet in the buckets at the end of the day. Right. So that's the kind of thing that uh, I would help someone with um, and whether that meant, uh, you know, looking at the pricing structure, really coming to understand the competition. Um, most small businesses undervalue their services and don't charge enough is what I find. I know that that always kind of sticks in the craw of anybody who's in the horse world because it's so expensive. But um, if you can make a case for a slightly better service and charge a little bit more, you can go from breaking even to making a little money, and it, it makes a big difference at the end of the day. You know, Helena, so, what we once did uh, real quick here. We once did we had us when we had our big uh, when we had our big boarding stable. We had a working student. We made her for an entire month calculate everything she did all day long. Kept track of every minute of every day. Kept track of every little thing that we fed, every little thing that we spent money on, everything. And it came down to that, you know, we could have charged $200 more a month and we still wouldn't have been making money. And, uh, and she, you know, basically she, she could have made more going out working McDonald's. Um, it just, you know, it just, we, there, one of the things we're bad at as horse people is, is looking at every little detail and every little expense because we tend to go, oh, well, I don't want that to be included. It's going to make me look bad. And, you know, I probably would have done that anyway because I had horses. Instead of looking at it logically like you would in any other business, we tend to not do that, Buck. Well, a lot of small business people don't. I mean, food, you know, people that run food businesses are the same way. There's just too much to keep track of, and so it becomes overwhelming. But if you invest in a good software system that can really monitor expenses, um, then, you know, you can make a model that makes sense uh, from a pricing perspective so that you can actually turn a small profit and, and run your beautiful barn and do a lot of nice things for the horses. The, uh, the operative word here is model. And I, I think a lot of horse people and maybe even some most small business owners, their expertise is in a particular area, not necessarily in business. So that whole modeling and keeping track of stuff and planning isn't really their strength. So, and then I kind of want to back up with that because <clears throat> Banks, if, if someone wants to grow their business or start a business, the first place they might think of to go is a bank. But you said banks aren't really – they're not willing to take on risk. So then how does – how do you and your company, for example, differ from a bank? And then – because I think you also – not only do you offer opportunities for lending, but you also offer opportunities for consulting and helping small business owners with the business part. 
That's right. I mean, there's a there's a group of companies across the country that are called community development corporations, and lots of them participate in the the Small Business Administration microloan program. And if you are interested in learning more about the microloan program, you can just go to the your local SBA. Uh, every state has an SBA uh, office which has its own website. And you can call them or contact them, and they'll put you in touch with the microlenders in your state. And what microlenders do is we actually borrow the money from the SBA and then loan it to small businesses. And um, as such, we provide free consulting support on the front end of the loan. So in other words, before you borrow the money to make sure that you're borrowing the right amount and that you understand what this money is going to do to help you improve your business, um, and then we're there after you borrow money to provide ongoing consulting support, whether that's around marketing or whether it's, you know, I need a new bookkeeper. We have resources for all kinds of uh, marketing people, um, accounting people, lawyers. Um, we do everything we can to help a small business person uh, surround themselves with good resources so that they can be successful because it's just a really complex environment right now it's, it's you know you can't just go out and cut hair like you got to know a lot about business in order to be successful so from a from a modeling perspective i mean the the thing that i would look at is let's say someone came to me and said i want to do all new footing in my indoor ring i want to do all new footing in my outdoor ring i need a half a mile of new fencing i and i want to make improvements to my indoor ring i want to put up mirrors i want to do this i want to do that and at the end of the day i need you know, $50,000 to, to make all this happen. So what we would do is look at, well, how can you, how, where are you going to get a return on your investment for that? Can you raise your prices? Can you lower your costs because of these changes? You know, maybe you don't need to spend as much on, on maintaining the footing anymore, or maybe you've got a, you're buying a robot that can come in and do all the barn cleaning for you so you don't have to pay somebody like Helena or Glenn to come and do it for you anymore. You <laughs> oh, know? when so, you invent that one, you're going to make millions. <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs> I think I just let the cat out of the bag, didn't I? I've been hanging on to that for so long, and here I am. You I went get public. A, you better get that. Uh, you better get that patent quick. <laughs> so I mean, whatever it is, you know, if you can demonstrate a return, then it makes sense to borrow money. And most people are very risk averse. You know, they don't want to take on more debt. But at the end of the day, you know, the barn starts to feel more and more run down. The fencing is falling apart. The footing is getting shot, and then they wait too long. And when you really need the money, guess what? You can't get it. You're behind on a charge card bill. You've missed a mortgage payment. Um, you start losing uh, clients because, you know, the barn isn't being kept the way you'd want it to be kept. Um, and, and at that point, it's too late. So it really makes sense for the small business person to have a five-year plan, um, understand what their five-year plan is, and know how to leverage that plan with some borrowing where, where it's appropriate. Hmm. And you know most of most of horse businesses, quote unquote, um, there are some some exceptions, but I would say a vast majority of the people out there have a training business or a boarding business. Mm -hmm. That's where most horse businesses fall. They have some, you know, a lot of them own them, so they they own the property, and there might be some equity there, but most of them don't. If they have, you know, if their credit's so so, and you know. Or do they have any chance of getting a loan? Is, is, is credit still one of the big determining factors? Um, for the microloan lenders, it's not as big a factor. I mean, the microloan program was designed to pick up the slack where banks wouldn't loan. 
and get people up to speed either by starting a business or improving a business so that they can become what we call bankable, have a bank, real bank relationship with a line of credit or whatever. Um, so, you know, we're more than happy to talk to someone who's got a little bit of excessive outstanding debt. Um, maybe they've missed a few payments in the last few years. If someone's behind on their loan payments, um, or they, you know, I see people that have $70,000 in charge card debt and, you know, two $600 a month car payments and they're looking for a microloan and you're like, no, it's not going to, you know, $50,000 isn't going to help you. Um, so, you know, it has to be within reason and each micro lender has their own, um, board of directors. They're all 501c3 nonprofits, so they have a, a, a volunteer board, and the board has to approve all the loans. And so each one has their own nuances around what their particular board, uh, the threshold or the, the risk tolerance threshold of that board is going to be. So And the board really decides a, on the loan? Yeah, there's a loan committee. Every, every loan goes to a loan committee, which is, you know, in our case, it's our whole board of directors. Um, and they vote on every single loan, whether or not it's going to get approved or not. So, so my job is to kind of become the advocate for the borrower where I think it's appropriate and help them create a plan that's going to get them the funding they need. But at the same time, they're really learning about their business. You know, that's the, the bottom line is, do I feel like this person can manage their business or do they just want to go out and ride horses all day? And that's kind of... Well, the, that's, for, that, that's really what they want to do. <laughs> it comes down to it. It's true. It What's is the max on a microloan? I didn't know about these, so I'm very interested. What's the max on it? The maximum is $50,000. Okay. Um, the minimum's as low as 1000 or 2000 And what are the terms? Um, typically five years. And the rates can be as high as about 8.1, 8.2%. Lots of micro lenders are around 6 or 7, which is, a, which is a very typical commercial rate. So that's really not bad. I mean, you can't compare it to home mortgages. No, that's not bad, actually. And, and then the cool thing is that, again, I'll throw this out there. Lots of That's a heck of a lot money, better than your 30% credit card. Let's put it yeah, that yeah. Oh, don't, yeah. you know, don't finance your business on a credit card. There's lots of other companies out there that have pools of money. So... Like in Connecticut, we have Metro Hartford Alliance. We have the Hartford Economic Development Company. We have um, Middlesex Chamber of Commerce. All these these small corporations, nonprofits that are out there, uh, they're non-government corporations. Lots of them have pockets of money. So anybody who's interested in a small loan can go to their Chamber of Commerce and find out if they have a loan pool that can help fund their business. Um, or go through the SBA and find out who their participating partners are. So sometimes we can do a $150,000 loan because we've got a $50,000 microloan and a $100,000 loan from Middlesex Chamber of Commerce. And then, you know, we kind of partner on those. So there's, there's lots of creative ways to get money outside of the world of traditional banking. Hmm, I, I can think of one. I don't think it's legal, though. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? So now let's talk a little bit about the support. You know, after the business owner gets the loan, they're really happy, and now they're like, woohoo, I got all this cash. How do you control, or do you, where they spend the money? They might have told you how they were going to spend it, but then how do you make sure, or how do you help them spend it in in the right ways? Well, contrary to popular belief, horse people really, really do love to spend money. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's actually their, I know it's a shock to you guys. It's their number one goal in life is to spend as much money as quickly as they possibly can on as many crazy things as they can spend it on. So our role in that is to really clearly define what they're going to spend the money on, and then we actually control where that money gets spent based on the plan. 
so that there's no abandoning ship. You know, if you're going to borrow $25,000 for a tractor and the appropriate equipment to go with it, and at the end of the day, you want to buy a smaller tractor with maybe some of the appropriate equipment, but a new saddle, that's not happening. So we, oh, we I can't actually, take a cruise either? But no, you can't take a cruise no. either. No, none of that. None of that. So we actually cut two-party checks or reimburse against invoices so that we can control that. Oh, and that's, that's an audited moment for us, too, so we have to make sure that it happens that way. But discipline is the biggest problem for small business owners. You know, they're not disciplined people. So, it's it, you know, they want to do what they want to do, which is why they got into small business. But sadly, that can also work against the small business owner. So there's a little psychology that goes on there in the world as well. And, and, and two, and this happens to some horse businesses, there's a there's a cycle of business where, where you have the great idea, usually the entrepreneur is the one that has the wonderful ideas and gets the business up and running, and it's, they find the niche and they find the need, and, and they fill that and it, it grows, and they get to a point where they really should find a business manager, somebody who knows business and... Who cares if they even know know your particular area, but they know business. And that's the point where a lot of them don't, and they end up failing. Yeah. Um, you know, I liken it to people who, like, let's say you really like to fish. You go out and you fish every day because you love fishing. But if you never clean the fish, they're not really worth anything. So you got to stop and clean the fish. And that's the hard part with running a small business. So you have to think of that time and that money as an investment. People often think of, well, if I hire a business manager, that's going to cost me a lot of money, you should be thinking, no, that's actually going to make me a lot of money. And if it doesn't, then I've hired the wrong business manager. So that's, you know, the difference between kind of thinking like a small business person with that fear-based, you know, I already took my risk. I don't want to take any more risk. The idea is to continue to invest in your business, take risk, and leverage that risk so that you actually can get yourself a $50,000 horse at the end of the day with the saddle that you want and, you know, all that good stuff that comes with it. But you can't, you know, people start their business and then they want to hunker down and try to make it work rather than continue to reinvest in it. And I'm, I'm not pro- a huge proponent of constant borrowing, but intelligent borrowing is what all successful companies do. And it's kind of where small companies um, miss the boat. Yeah, but then that's that. So then it's the intelligence part that's missing. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been kicked in the head enough times, Melina? That you know. True. That can true. But that's where you come in. This is that's part of your job, isn't it? Is to provide sort of the knowledge and the expertise where it might be missing in the small business owner's life. Exactly. I mean, we would if I had someone that was going to invest in a horse property or begin, you know, a horse business on a property that they already had. we would do a competitive analysis. We would come up with what their strategic advantage is, and we would price their business, their, their services, their, their stalls, you know, everything according to what the market will bear and based on their competition. And we would try to figure out ahead of time whether or not it was viable. I mean, sometimes the best decision is to not go into business because everyone's priced so low in a market that you can't make money no matter what you do. I think that's kind of what you were saying, Glenn. That is a common No matter what you do, you, you know, we're, we're not going to make money. We need, a, we need a new revenue stream. That is so common we, with the horse world, too, especially with boarding and training. You know, there are, you can price whatever you want to as long as people are willing to pay it. And in right. some markets, because your competition is all underpriced, uh, it's going to be tough. But I think that's where intelligent marketing comes in. Because unless you tell people why you're better, they're not just going to walk in and figure it out. 
And again, mm-hmm. that's a tough one for small business owners. They, they just imagine that people understand why they're better. But it takes too long for people to figure it out, and then they've moved on. You know, they, they've made a different choice. But if everything is, like, in your face, why you're better. Like, if you have a viewing room, it should be filled with why your barn is better. If you have, you Yeah, know, that's always... where you hang your Olympic gold medals. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hang See, that's every... the problem, Helena. We forgot to do that part. Yeah, what do you have an Olympic gold medal in? I don't. Talking? That's, that's the part we forgot to do, is get the Olympic gold medal first. See? Yeah, oh well. Yeah. well, we had Gina Miles. Yeah. She had a, she had our medal. She had that lovely silver medal. What was that, episode three or yes. two? <laughs> well, Buck, this is great. Where, where can people find out more information? Where can they go? Um, I think the Small Business Administration is a great place to start because, you know, it's, it's nationwide, and there are offices in every state in the country. Um, so it's a really good jump-off point for learning more about, um, about small business and, and opportunities for borrowing money. The local Chambers of Commerce is another great place to go. I think if you, if you, you know, sometimes you got to push a little to get the person who, who really has good information for you, but certainly it can be there. The, the state of Connecticut also has um, Department of Economic and Community Development, DECD, I think most states probably have a Department of Economic and Community Development, and what that means is they often have loan programs, and they're there to support uh, small business in a in a big way right now. I mean, clearly everybody wants to do that, so I think that's a third good option for people. And now you're based in Connecticut, so give us a little plug for your business for small business owners in, in Connecticut and Rhode Island. Sure. Um, the company I work for is the Community Investment Corporation, and we have um, mo- we're, we're mostly in Connecticut, but we do do business in Rhode Island, and we're actually expanding more into Rhode Island. Uh, we're looking at that going forward. We have a couple other loan programs that are a little bit bigger that we we definitely um, are busy with in in Rhode Island. Um, and as such, we field a lot of phone calls and look at a lot of business plans, and um, sometimes refer people back to places where they can get a little more help. We, we like to see something that's at least something we can work with from a business plan perspective. Um, but we do everything. I mean, we, we've underwritten a whole bunch of horse businesses, um, but everything from childcare to people that want to wash dogs or cut hair or naturopathic doctors or, you know, pretty much uh, any kind of business. Um, the modeling is always pretty similar, and um, it's certainly worth a phone call to any of your local CDCs, and you can you can call me here at, Connecticut Investment Community Investment Corporation, and I'd be happy to answer questions. So, great. Well, we're going to put links to your website and a little bit more information about you, so if folks, because I've been to your website, and it's actually, um, I think it's a great resource. While you guys are specific to the Northeast, I think it's a great resource because the information about micro lending and the non bank option of of getting funding, um, it's just well articulated there. So we're going to put links up to your website um, at stablescoop.com. Cool. Glenn, what do you say? Should we open up another business? What should we do? <laughs> I got <laughs> enough to handle this one. Why don't you open another business? I'll let you I've do got it. like nine going. I know. I, <laughs> how about we let our audience open up another business? Well, let's go with that. Well, thank you, Buck. We appreciate you being on. No problem. Thanks for having me. See, that's the problem. I never had a plan I never wanted to think about a plan. I just want to do. And that's the problem with most small business people. 
Yeah. Is they just, they're good at what they do and what they want to do. And what they don't want to do is plan. We just want to do. <laughs> we just want to do. We That's just want right. to get on and go. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like anything, you got to step outside your comfort zone and who knows what you'll find there. But I, I did not know about these microloans. That is an interesting thing to definitely take a look at at whatever state you're in. By the way, I just looked up Florida Department of uh, Economic and Business, like he said, and there is a department for, in Florida doing the same thing, and they also have microloans available, I just read. so Yeah, the whole concept of microlending, I was like, what's that? Yeah. It just brings, it makes it makes the opportunity a little bit more accessible to to the small business owner. So just look it up for you know just Google it for your state and and you'll find something that'll give you a good jumping off point to start with. Yeah. Well, now it is time for our tack and habits segment. This Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Chasing a Fox. It's actually Chasing a Fox in a Little Black Dress, which is a style guide for fox hunters, fox hunting fans, equestrians, and, well, pretty much anybody who wants to follow along. Chasing a Fox employs some pretty interesting style gurus. We're interesting because we've hunted, we've shopped, we've hunted some more, we've fallen off, we've gotten back on, we've made it through hunt ball after hunt ball, dinners, teas, and of course, ditches. So our job is to help you get dressed appropriately for the hunt field because, you know, it, it can be a little complicated. So we'll lend you not only advice about what to wear when you're hunting, but how to look good while you're wearing it. And this is the best part is we'll show you how to get dressed for your body type, your sense of style, for all the fun social activities that go along with fox hunting. All those cocktail parties, all those black tie events, Outdoor barbecues, all of it. Find us on Facebook at Chasing a Fox. I don't know where they put the flasks in some of those outfits those women wear. I'll tell you. Go to Chasing a Fox and you'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next is Coach Jen of the Horse Tip Daily Show. She has a review of a product that she's been trying over the last couple of weeks for us. So let's talk to Coach Jen. Well, howdy, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Howdy. Now, you have a product that you got in, what, a couple months ago? Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, and that you wanted to take. Now, you've used Wintech. You used Wintech Synthetic Saddles since the day they came out, I think. Well, um, I got my first Wintech when the adjustable or um, easy change gullets came out. Back in the 90s. Back in the 90s, 90s, and I thought that was darn, darn clever. So uh, the Wintech guy came out to our place and, and... touted the ease at which of, of which you could change that gullet out, and I had to have one. And I've been riding in a Wintech ever since. Now, the last Wintech you had uh, finally was starting to show its wear after how many years? I had it. I checked. the, uh, But I had it for 13 years of very hard riding. And not only I didn't just ride it, I loaned it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> sure, ride my Wintech. It's indestructible. And I think at the time we bought that, it was probably three, four hundred bucks, maybe three and a half. Uh, so for three and a half hundred bucks to get thirteen years of use out of it, ain't too bad. No, it's it's finally been demoted to um, sitting in the tack room and looking pretty. And when small children come over and want to play, you put it on the sawhorse and let kids sit on it. That's what it's been demoted to now. <laughs> 
Now, tell us about the new one that you just got. You upgraded. You've gone to the WinTech 2000 synthetic all-purpose saddle with the care system. And that is the one with the suede seat, right? Yes, As opposed it is, to the smooth seat. It is the suede seat, although it's not real suede. It's man-made suede because all of WinTech's products are made from man-made materials. And Which means you can still wash it with a hose? You can still wash it with a garden hose, one of my favorite features about a WinTech. Mm-hmm. I like uh, the extra grippy suede, suede, faux suede myself. Yeah, and I wasn't sure I'd like that because you know me, Helena. I don't like the full seat breeches, no, and, you know, no. that kind of stuff. But I read up a little bit on the material they use to, um, for the seat and the knee rolls are also made of the same material. And I was looking for the breathability factor because it's so hot and sticky here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Previously, my Wintech had a sheepskin seat cover on it to add a little breathability. So I thought I'd give this synthetic, the synthetic suede a try. And it really is much more breathable than just the, the flat, smooth seat. And the grippiness is not overly grippy. It's just the right amount of grippy. Exactly. It's a comfortable, I'm here, I'm, I'm making good friends with you, bum, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, not, we're not getting married anytime soon. <laughs> Well, it's it's not so sticky that you can't zhuzh in the seat. Right, zhuzh. It's exactly. You got to exactly. be able to zhuzh, especially zhuzh. on Beaker. You have to be able to zhuzh. <laughs> so I'm very pleased having having upgraded to that. And it was really nice, too, because the new Easy Change Fit solution that they came out with, um, which is actually a combination of the original Easy Change gullet, plus the care panels, which have both been around for a number of years. And now they've also added the ability for the saddle owner to change the flocking slightly by providing these little thin shims. Um, Because on Beaker's back, it had a propensity to try and bridge on him a little bit. He's very, very short coupled, but he is also wide. So he is a little bit tricky to fit a saddle on. And I used the shims um, appropriate to the instructions that came with the Easy Care Change, Easy Change Fit Solution System. And what a difference. Now, let, let, me, let me ask you this, because I have the Collegiate saddle, which is um, basically has the Wintech The insides uh, engine. are the same, yes. The insides are the same. And I love it. So we've got the Easy Change gullet system. I've got the care panels. And my saddle's only a year old, so this new what what do they call it the fit the extra fit I don't have it, that the it's called the easy change riser system and what you, the way you can yeah the, the way you can tell your saddle has that if you didn't have the tags with it when you open it up and you look at the panels, which is the part of the saddle that touches the horse yeah when you open it up if you look at the part of the panel closest to the tree of the saddle. There are Velcro openings there, and it's the entire length of the panel, and it's divided into a front, a center, and a back. And if there's no Velcro there, that means your saddle was not designed to use the riser system. And it does the exact same thing a saddler would do if they were to reflock the saddle for you, but it does it in a regimented, measurable way. In other words, when you put the three-millimeter riser on the front left panel, you know it's exactly that. 
You don't have to go, well, I think this much wool equals about that much rise. Okay. Okay. Okay, It takes that part of the equation out. It's measurable. You know exactly how much you put in there or how much you didn't. Okay. Actually, I'm listening to my, I'm I'm listening to myself talk about my collegiate saddle. I don't even own a collegiate saddle. (laughs) It's a Bates Caprilli. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's been a long winter, honey. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, because the Bates has the e the yeah it does it has wind system. system under yep, there. Yep, yes, yep. it has the gullet system and the care right. panel system. But that may be why it doesn't yet have the this new what what yes. is it called again? It, the, the easy change riser system is the part that allows you to change the panels. Yes, okay, and it, it gets a little confusing because there's a lot of different systems added together, and. Um, So basically, the Easy Change gullet system, along with the Easy Change rider system, gives what they call the Easy Change Fit Solution. And you actually can, they have a website, easychangefitsolution.com. Easy Change Fit Solution. I got to write that down. It's a lot of work. It is. And you know me. Easy, I can't remember anything. Easy, look, see, I'm writing it down and I write Easy Fit. Easychangefitsolution.com. Easy change fit solution. And one of the things I didn't realize about Beaker, because as I said, I've been riding in Wintex for a long time. When because his body cha- cha- shape does change a lot, a lot more than any other horse I've had, because he gains weight so quickly, but he also loses it pretty quickly too. But the part of his back that changes is not the width. The width of the gullet stays the same. And I know this because I have a Wintech gullet measuring gauge. So I know exactly what size his withers are from time to time. It's not just guessing. That Mm -hmm. doesn't change when his weight changes. But the horizontal shape of his back, how much dip there is behind his withers and behind his shoulders, that does change when his weight changes. And that's where the riser system comes in. For example, when he if he puts on 70 between 75 and 100 pounds, I will have to take those shims out because oh. that's where he gets the fat pads. Yeah, you'll still have the same gullet width. I'll have the same gullet. His shoulders stay the same width. Right. But the part of his back under the center part of that saddle. Now, that's going to be different in different horses, but um I real it really brought home when I got this new saddle and put those risers in there and the difference in the sweat pattern in his back and the difference in the way he moved. Uh, really brought home how the shape, the curvature of their back, not just their spine, but their back and the musculature and or fat, changes so much. And uh, this, is a, this is a great boon to folks whose horses change frequently, people who ride a lot of different horses, uh, people who have want to have a really, really good fit but don't want to remortgage their co- house to do it. Now this right. one, uh, tell us, uh, okay, so as far as comfort is concerned... I love, you? You love it. I love okay. it. The um, the Wintech saddles, the all-purpose saddles, which are the ones I have the most experience with. I've had others, but I've had mostly the the all-purposes, have a shape to the seat that fits a very high percentage of people. And uh, you, these actually come with uh, leather uh, billets. billets. Billets, right. Okay. Yeah, the, the different series, the 500 series, which is the next price point down, the guts of the saddle are exactly the same. What's different is the materials on the top. They come with a synthetic billets. The 2000 that I got has leather billets, um, and they are put onto the saddle slightly differently to make them easy to change out when they wear out because that's the first part of any saddle to wear out are the billet straps. Okay. So, okay. Uh, and what negatives? Any? Negatives. Let's see here. Um, negatives could be 
that um, there aren't as many saddle shops in Ocala that care of them as they used to. <laughs> <laughs> and you know me, I'm not an online shopper, but I, I ended up getting it online. And perhaps the in the 2000s specifically, having had uh, the 500 with the synthetic billets, I think I like the synthetic billets better. And I think that's going to be a matter of taste, too. That's personal people. taste, yeah. 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 I'm not used to having the leather, and the leather has give and stretch to it, which I haven't mm. had in years because I've had synthetic saddles. And that's taken a little bit of getting used to. And the price point is at $762 at Equestrian yep. Collections Great right now. Point. And would... Uh, with a six-flake bale of hay out of six flakes, what would you give this? I'm going to give the I'm going to give it a five point five. And that's probably because of the leather straps, right? Just because of the bellets, and it's a personal preference thing. Yeah. And I does does um, I believe Wintech has a special going right now where you get a complete set of six gullets <clears throat> and the Easy Riser shims free with your saddle purchase. Yeah, you'll have to check on that when you when you place your order with whoever yeah. you order it with. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's the Wintech 2000 Synthetic All-Purpose Saddle with the CARE system. And, of course, you can find out more. Where, Helena? Um, okay, here we go. At easychangefitsolution.com. Yay, Yay, you did it. It's good you wrote it down. <laughs> We've never gotten that out of her. It would take a week. All right, thank you, Jennifer. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Well, you know, those saddles, too, work out really well. The synthetic saddles from Wintech work out really well here in Florida because mold is a big problem. It's so damp and wet and hot here all the time Mm. that if you're not keeping your saddle in your air-conditioned house, you do have to worry about mold very quickly on leather saddles. And and, uh, with, you know, if, if, if a synthetic saddle gets a little bit of mold, guess what you do? You hose it off and... You know, wipe it off and you're done. Yeah. So that has really worked out well. She even went to a synthetic bridle now um, because of wow. that issue. Uh, so she's using a, a Wintech synthetic bridle now as well. So, wow. I mine we're we have so much moisture in the air here because we're along the coast that my saddles mold up in like a day. So I actually keep them in my house. You would have to. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. You would definitely have to. Uh, yep. Well, thank you to Jennifer for doing that. And thank you, Helena, for being here again this week. Don't forget that uh, you can hear all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And I want to remind everybody that uh, you can play on Wednesday mornings. Hop on over to Horses in the Morning at 9.05 a.m. Eastern Time. Give us a call and you can play the Wheel of Trivia. You answer one equine trivia question correctly, and we spin a wheel full of prizes, and you can win all kinds of great stuff. So that happens over at Horses in the Morning on Wednesdays. And this is your cue to say something else. (laughs) This is Wake Up Helena. I have no... Come on, Glenn, you know me in cues. I'm pretty dense when it comes to cues. Um, for details about today's show, including links about where you might be able to get some money for your business, go to stablescoop.com. As always, we love your feedback. Tell us what we've done right and what... No, don't. Well, don't just, tell us what, <laughs> just tell us what we've done right. Tell us you love us yeah. unconditionally. <laughs> Again, follow us on Facebook under Stable Scoop uh, at Twitter at Horse Radio. Can I say before we wrap that I am looking forward to meeting with one of our listeners. Jennifer and I are going down to meet Rhonda from Canada, and her husband are going to be in Orlando and are going to be at Disney World. So we're going down to have dinner with her at Epcot uh, one night next week. 
there, and she was kind enough to invite us. She's one of our legacy listeners, Helena. She has listened to every episode of every show we have done since day one. Yes, she has been there. She has been quite the... She's a super fan. Yeah, super fan. We did meet her once uh, over at Rolex. Uh, we, we got to meet her for a couple minutes, but we're going to get to go spend the night having dinner, watching the fireworks at Epcot uh, next week. So thank you so much to Rhonda. We're looking forward to seeing you. She is doing the dream trip, though. I'm going to throw her under the bus a little bit. Because <laughs> that's what you do. That's what I do. She is taking a, a Disney cruise next week. Uh, they leave Saturday. So Sunday through next week, they're doing a Disney cruise. Then they're going to Disney World for f- four days. Then they're going back down to the ocean and taking a second Disney cruise. They're going, wow. Yeah. There's a couple of weeks vacation for you. Oh. <laughs> I, my mouth just started to water. I know. The cruise, you I, I know. said, you guys are going to gain about 100 I don't know. pounds. Cruises, you know, these days. Yeah, I don't they're, know. They're getting kind of a, but, you know, as she clarified, we're not going on Carnival Cruise. We're going on Disney Cruise. So. Oh, poor Carnival. So she, yeah, Carnival. You know, we did a Carnival Cruise once and had a blast. I think it's just a matter of luck. Yes, it's got to happen to everybody at some point, every business. Carnival actually used to be one of my clients when I was working in the investor relations really? industry. Yes, they were a great com- I mean, a great company to work with. I had probably about 50 Fortune 1500 accounts, clients that I worked with, and they were absolutely one of my favorite. They were a fabulous company to work for huh. um, or to work with. And uh, so I was kind of bummed out that they had this trouble. But you know what? Like, like we said, it, this kind of thing comes around for every business you got to deal with it. Yep, that's right. And it's all how you deal with it, where where you win or lose. Yeah. So we'll see We'll see in the end how they deal with it. Like ma- maintain some of your ships would be a good thing. <laughs> get out and get, send the maintenance guys out there. Yeah, so let's check them out before the next cruise. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great week. Yes, we will be back next week. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>